1: and solidified in your heart that everything you do is a testimony of that, that Jesus Christ is alive today according to what we believe in the scriptures. If you believe it, then get with me and let's start acting like it. Let's start acting like we really believe this in our heart. That's what changes lives, not words, action.
0: Have you ever said you believed in something but didn't really mean it? Sometimes someone will say, Prove it, making us feel foolish. In today's message, Pastor Dave asks the question, Do you believe that Christ is alive? He challenges the people who believe it to live it out, not just through words, but through action. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts, chapter 1, as he begins his message The living Lord.
1: Today, we start a brand new book. Today, we start a brand new reading, if you will, study, if you will. Today, we're going to look into and begin to study the book of Acts. The book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, it's called. Could very well be entitled The Acts of the Holy Spirit. It could be very well entitled The Continuing Acts of Jesus Christ as He worked through His Holy Spirit through the church. So, it's an exciting book, and it's a wonderful, wonderful guide, to not only ministry, but to church life. As we go along, we're going to be pointing out things that this church is modeled after, because a lot of the things we do in this church are modeled after the book of Acts. It is a first century church, and it's a wonderful thing to read and study. So we are going to be in the book of Acts. If you will turn there, please take a right at the Gospel of John and take a left at Romans, and you'll be in the book of Acts. So we're going to be in chapter 1, and today we're going to read three verses, the first Three. So read along silently, please, as I read aloud, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I'm going to start by asking a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is one that I'm going to answer. So, that's why they call it a rhetorical question. The question is, what is the one thing that separates Christianity from all other religions? Like Islam, Buddha, Confucius. What's the one thing that makes us different than those religions? What's the one thing that stands far and above those religions of the world? Well, if you haven't said the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's the answer. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that separates us from those religions and a lot of religions in the world. Because look at the facts, folks. Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius are still in their graves. And if you haven't noticed, Jesus' tomb is empty. He has risen just as he said he would... And He's alive today, working in our lives. And the Scripture says He's alive, sitting on the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. Yes, Jesus is alive today. And today's message is entitled, The Living Lord. And through these verses, we're going to look at Jesus' life, resurrection, His death, and how it has affected now the disciples of the early church and how it should affect our lives. Jesus is alive. So as we begin this book of Acts... We celebrate the continuing story of what Jesus began to do and continues to do today through His Holy Spirit. I say continuation because the book of Acts is a continuation, basically, of the gospel of Luke. And it's written to the same person, so the gospel of Luke is ascribed to Dr. Luke, and the book of Acts is also ascribed to be penned by Dr. Luke. And I can prove that. Take a minute and go to the gospel of Luke. If you go to the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, Luke 1, in the first four verses, Luke writes as a typical writer during those days in a typical Hebrew language, and he writes things in a way that we can tell it was written by a Greek. It says, inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. So if you now go back to the first verse of chapter 1 in the book of Acts, he says, the former account I made, O Theophilus. So the former account would be his gospel. So now he continues, basically, his letter to Theophilus, and he's going to talk about that. So Theophilus is the same person that the gospel in this letter is directed to. So who is Theophilus? We don't even know if Theophilus was a believer, but Luke's salutation suggests that he might have been a very, very important Roman official. It is likely, though, that Theophilus was a Christian, or at least a seeker, who was studying carefully the Christian faith. His name means friend of God. Nice name. Theo, obviously meaning God. Theophilus, meaning friend of. Most scholars, however, believe that Theophilus was Luke's former owner and that Luke was a slave. And they say this because we know that Luke was a doctor. We know he was a physician. And in those days, the physicians usually were slaves and they were owned by rich people. So it's assumed that Luke was a slave, but it is also believed that Luke was freed by Theophilus and after Theophilus's conversion he freed up Luke so that Luke could travel on the missionary journeys of Paul. And as we get into the book of Acts we're going to see where the pronouns change. I mean, first we see they, he, and then when we get into Acts 16 when we talk about the church of Philippi it was we. So you see that Luke now joins Paul in his missionary journeys, and the pronoun continues to change throughout the book as Luke comes in and goes out of the picture. So the gospel of Luke records what Jesus began to do and to teach in his human body. The book of Acts tells us what Jesus continued to do and to teach through his spiritual body and through the church. Today, as I said, we can learn much about church We can learn much about ministry, and we can learn much about our Christian walk by studying the book of Acts. In verse 1, Luke says to Theophilus, you know, my previous volume was about what Jesus was doing and teaching. I see several things here. First of all, I see a divine order. There's a divine order when we do things, and the divine order here was doing first, then teaching. If you want to impact your children, if you want to impact any ministry, follow this simple principle. Do it before you teach it moved with incredible authority. I mean, everywhere he went, he spoke. And every time he spoke, they said, where did he get this authority? With what authority do you speak? Because he had such knowledge and such authority. He lived this principle. He not only taught the word theoretically, he lived it in front of their eyes. So they saw it in action. So they knew what he was talking about. He lived it out through them. So I see this in our lives. When you speak that word, you need to live that word. You need to live the Word of God in people's lives so they know that it is true and not just hot air. Because, you know, you can stand here and I can stand here and say a lot of things, but unless it is real to a person, it's hot air. Unless it is meaningful to a person, it has no meaning. They need to see Jesus with flesh on them. They need to see you and me living the life that we profess, living the life as it described right here in the book of Acts believing in a risen Savior, believing in that He is alive in me, and they need to see that. How? Draw close to them. Get to know them. Love them. That's how we do that. If we don't, it's hot air. I'm guilty of that. Stand here before you guilty of hot air because I haven't done what I need to do. I haven't done what the book of Acts has told me to do in my life sometimes. and I need to get with the stick. The guy yesterday continually said every time the Lord wanted to deal with them, he hit him with a nine iron. I don't know if it was a nine iron he hit me with. It felt more like a wedge. Anyhow, secondly, Luke's gospel was only the beginning, as we said. The story continues not only through the book of Acts, but the story continues today in our lives. The story here we read of Jesus' life continues right now. This story has continued for 2,000 years, and we see Jesus just alive today as he was in the lives of those back then. This is what the apostles believed in. They believed in the risen Lord. They believed in the living Lord. Remember at Lazarus' death, Jesus came, came late. Martha comes running out. If you had only been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. What did Jesus say to her? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever lives in me and believes in me shall never die. And he looked at Martha and said, do you believe this? Well, I'm looking at you, church, today and saying, do you believe this? Is this true in your life? Do you believe, according to the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, that Christ died for us according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and he rose again according to the Scriptures. Do you believe it? Is it deep within you and solidified in your heart that everything you do is a testimony of that, that Jesus Christ is alive today according to what we believe in the Scriptures? If you believe it, then get with me and let's start acting like it. Let's start acting like we really believe this in our heart. And that's what changes lives, not words. Action, people's lives being changed because they know that we care. We care because we serve a risen Lord. We serve a risen Lord who loved us so much that he died for us. And we believe that, and that belief translates into action. And that's what I like about the book of Acts. It's all about action. There's a lot of action in the book of Acts. If you can't get excited about the book of Acts, we need to talk. As you know, I get excited about a lot of things, but so I'm even more excited about the book of Acts. But so when we come to verse 3a, it says, to whom he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days. This is the main portion of what we're going to study today in the living Lord. Many men and many women saw Jesus after his resurrection. You look through the Scriptures and you see Jesus opening the minds of the disciples, helping them to understand the Old Testament passages that were written about Him. They didn't have a New Testament. The New Testament wasn't written when Jesus walked the earth. So according to the Scriptures means the Old Testament. And take another trip back to Luke for a minute. In the last chapter of Luke, Luke 24, in verses 44 through 48, 44 through 48, Here we see Jesus opening and helping the disciples to understand what was written about him. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Then he said, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high. Jesus explains to them, opens up the Scriptures, opens up their minds. And I love on the road to Emmaus when the two disciples are walking down there hand in hand after the crucifixion. And they were just disappointed, they were dejected, they were walking around kicking dirt. Oh, woe is me, you know, he's gone. I don't know what we're going to do now. I guess we going to find some worms to eat. I don't know what I'm going to do. And Jesus appeared and starts walking with them. He said, why are you so down? And they said, where have you been, man? Holy mackerel, haven't you heard about this Jesus of Nazareth? And they went on to tell him about everything that he already knew. And he looked at them, and he started to talk to them. And he started to take the scriptures. What a Bible study. He started at the beginning of the scriptures and went all the way through the scriptures, showing himself every single place it was there. And they still didn't know who it was. And then finally they begged him, please stay with us. Have some dinner with us. Come on, stay with us. You know Jesus liked to eat. So he stayed with them. And as soon as he took the bread and broke it, they knew who he was, and he was gone. But what did they say, which is important? Did not our hearts burn? When he was explaining the scriptures to us. That's how we should feel when the Holy Spirit starts to explain the scriptures to us. Our hearts should burn. Our hearts should burn with passion and we should go, wow! We should just really be alive for what we read because everything we read testifies of Jesus Christ. And our hearts should be burning when we read the scriptures and we should be on fire. It shouldn't be a chore to read the scriptures. We shouldn't get up in the morning and go, i mm, got to read the
2: scriptures.
1: No, we should want to get into the book. We should want to read it because in here is life. In here it gives us life and it gives us sustenance, we said. But there were many other lessons that the disciples needed to learn before they could launch out on their new ministry. Jesus appeared and reappeared many times during those 40 days. And the believers never knew when he might show up. You know, they'd be eating and all of a sudden he'd walk through a wall and there he was. And then he'd leave again. He would just show up at all odd times. It was great preparation for the church because the days were coming when he wasn't going to be around. He wasn't going to be there for them. So they believed in the reality of the resurrection. They believed with all their heart in the reality. You know, some of the believers may have had doubts before the resurrection took place. But there could be no questions that Jesus was indeed raised from the dead. To strengthen the disciples' faith, he gave them many infallible proofs, Luke says. Now, we really don't know what all these infallible proofs are. Because Luke doesn't go on to his long description. But if you go back and read through the Gospels, time and time and time again, you see the proofs that Luke was talking about. Jesus would meet with the disciples. He would invite them to touch him. Touch me. Look at my nail hand. Look at my scars. Touch me. Listen to me, my voice. They would hear his voice audibly. He ate with them even. What more proofs did they need that he was alive? Because these proofs were convincing See, faith in the resurrection was so important to the church back then because it helped them spiritually. It gave them spiritual power. Just like today, the resurrection is paramount that we believe in the resurrection because it is true oneness of Christianity. It is what Christianity is based on. Also, the gospel involves the truth of the resurrection. If Jesus were dead, the church would be speechless. They would be lying. They would be living a lie. And if it were a lie, please tell me why so many people, so many people in the great persecution of the church went to death, were put to death because they would not renounce the name of Jesus Christ. Now, surely, if it was a lie, someone would have said, well, you know, wait a minute. But no, they didn't. These believers that Luke is talking about were chosen for a special witness of Jesus Christ's resurrection. And their emphasis was on that in their ministry. We're going to discover that as we continue in the book of Acts, how they emphasized the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll discover how these disciples, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, turned the world upside down with the gospel message, becoming witnesses of a risen Christ throughout the world. You know, most of the people in Jerusalem knew that Jesus was crucified. Most of the people in Jerusalem knew that he was put into a tomb. But they didn't know he was raised from the dead. So by the words of the disciples, by the mighty walk that they walked, by the mighty works that they'd done through the Holy Spirit, they knew that Jesus was alive. And the same thing can happen today right here in Cape May. It can happen today. Yes, many people saw Jesus after his resurrection, and many believed. You know, Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, that at one time, Jesus was seen by as many as 500 people. 500! You know, we have a jurisprudence system here in the United States, and if that's a big word, it just simply means courts and laws. Jurisprudence system. But it's based on the testimony of witnesses. If a man is accused of a crime, and there are people who witnessed the crime while it was being committed, they come up, they are sworn in on the Bible, that they'll tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. And then they say what they, they know about this crime. And if they can ID the man, make an eyewitness, they go, yeah, there's the one that did it. And they point to him. Now, then if their questioning stands up after a cross-examination, and you have two or three or four out of two or three witnesses, the man is usually convicted because they have eyewitnesses. Can you imagine the attorney coming in for Jesus being resurrected from the dead? And the judge says, let me have your, let me have your witness list. And it takes... Great big witness list, 500 people. You're going to call everybody? Absolutely everybody saw him. So if the court systems are based on the witness of two or three people, how can people not believe that Jesus is alive? How can they not even fathom that he is alive when we have the eyewitness of 500 people? 500 people. I mean, people read Shakespeare. He lived how many years ago? And they swear that this was Shakespeare writing. Did anybody ever see Shakespeare after his death? Do they know these things? We have Jesus' word. He was alive. 500 people or more saw him. I find that to be an infallible proof. An infallible proof. So he showed himself alive in his passion by many, many infallible proofs. Many times he showed himself. But what about us? What about us? I haven't seen Jesus in the flesh. I haven't seen him. I haven't heard his voice. What about me? I live by faith, not by sight. Now, faith, we know, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But I have evidence. When I look at the evidence of my life, when I look at the changed life that has happened within me, I have all the proof that I need that Jesus is alive. Because I look at the evidence in my life. And now as I get to know you, I look at the evidence in my wife's life and in the evidence of some of the other people's lives. I see the evidence. It's quite clear that a change has taken place. And that change cannot be accounted for than anything other than my belief in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection given to me by the grace of God. That's the bottom line. But look what Jesus says to our buddy Thomas. In John 20, verse 29. You know Thomas, the doubter. I like to think he was more of a skeptic than he was a doubter. But you know what he a Unless I see the nail prints in his hands, unless I stick my hand right into that side, I'm not going to believe. Well, be careful what you wish for, Thomas, because then, and then Jesus appears. And the first thing he does, all the disciples are gathered. The first person he walks over to, Thomas. Thomas, here. Here, put your hand in here. What did Thomas do? Thomas claps and says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. If Jesus, number one, was not God, he would have rebuked Thomas. He would have said, you can't say that about me. Because every time people tried to declare angels as God and try to worship them, they rebuked them. Because only God can accept worship. And here you have Jesus accepting it. And Jesus looks at Thomas and says, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe. And then he talks about us. He talks about us when he says, bless it. And this means, oh, how happy are those who have not seen and yet believe.
2: He's talking about us.
1: He's talking about us. He knew we'd become him. And it's my fervent prayer that, like Thomas, we would grasp that fact, that though we have not seen him, that though we have not feel him, that Jesus is alive and he's truly with us. Believe in the lives that will be changed. Because if you believe this, I guarantee your life will be changed. I guarantee it. Now, we may not hear Him audibly or see Him visibly as the disciples did, but I guarantee He continues to speak to us today loud and clear through His Word. Loud and clear. Speaking to us the same things that He taught the disciples, the reality of His resurrection. That it's true. It's real. The other thing He taught us can be found in this last part of verse 3, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God pertaining to the kingdom of God. This refers to the reign of God over our hearts and the lives of those who trusted in
0: him. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Acts, an exciting adventure into the beginnings of the Christian church. These first few days, weeks, months, and years of the Christian ministry were filled with much faith and courage. In fact, the very first martyrs were mentioned in this book. It was an interesting time in history for sure, and just like today, some people were eager to hear about Jesus, and others were looking to put those down who follow after him. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about today's message? We'd like to hear about it. Would you give us a call? Let us know how this message has impacted you. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that number is 609-884-5821. If you're in the Cape May area, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, and we'd like to get to know you and worship God together this weekend. Check out assurehoperadio.com to find out service times. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. Just look for the links at assurehoperadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But we hope you'll join us again on the next edition. Pastor Dave will continue on in the book of Acts, helping you understand and appreciate this great book here on Assure Hope.
2: Up